Hi everyone, this is Dan Miller and you're listening to Speaking of Products. On this show, I focus on what it takes to start and grow a business around technology products. These days, there are so many fantastic people creating all sorts of wonderful technology products that make our world a better place. For every one of the popular platforms you know and love, there are many more new and lesser known ones on the way. I'm on the journey myself to create a technology product business, and so I've produced this podcast as a way of sharing the ideas, strategies, and tactics I discover on the way. There's always something we can learn from ambitious founders and what they do to get ahead. The goals here are to highlight what has worked for the success stories and to uncover what is going on with those hidden gems. All right, welcome to episode two of Speaking of Products. Thanks for coming back and checking it out. And for anyone who's listening to this for the first time, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. I've got a great show for you today. It's three parts. The first is a brief update about my own product journey and what I'm getting into there. Uh, The next, we've got a deep dive into a specific topic related to the business of products. And this week, we're going to look at why you would focus on products instead of services for your business. This follows on from last week when we talked about what is a product-based business. And last but not least, we're going to go into the product fun facts. And this time, it's a product that I loved when I was younger, Tetris. I'm sure you know it. It's that game, you know, the blocks, the ones that you drop down, can't get enough of it. Before we get started, just as a one-off, I'd like to give a shout out to a few folks that gave me a bit of love and feedback as I announced speaking of products on the social media in the past week. In no particular order and just the first names to keep it simple, you'll know who you are if I call you out. The following people, you've been really awesome and helped me get this going. Rob, Costa, Ilian, Elizabeth, Kristen, Scott, Val, Dean, Simon, Noah, Ben, Matt, Jordan, Dave, Simon, Steve, Benedict, Brian, Rick, Tyler, Joshua, Arvid, and Tom. Thanks again, folks. Much appreciated. Now it's time for the update. Last week, I had planned a few items, and I'm pleased to say that I actually found the time to get them done. I was able to finish setting up version one of Speaking of Products and hit publish as planned. Thank goodness for that. It's actually taken quite a while to get it going. I started producing everything in late December, and so it's been a good two months of work to get to this point. Admittedly, I've only got nights and weekends for this sort of stuff, so I'm quite happy. Well, actually... I'm a bit more than happy. It's fair to say I'm pretty much over the moon about it all. It's such a good feeling when you get to deploy and ship something that you've been wanting to do for several years. Uh, During the week, I was also able to get started on planning out my product development path, which I'll talk about more in a future episode. Next week, my plan is the following. I'm going to look into setting up a Patreon account so that anyone who wants to support the show can do so. I will refine and filter the ideas for the product that I'm thinking of working on. And I'll also draw up a list of the types of customers that I think that product might serve. That's pretty important. And I'll talk about that sort of thing in another episode. Most importantly, though, I'm going to start jotting down some ideas and some initial ways that I could get started with marketing the product early. I have had it drilled into my head from so many people over the years that you must get started marketing your product the day you start building it. Otherwise, the option is that you're going to be building, 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 not even knowing if it's valid getting it out there and releasing it to crickets. And that's it for the update this week. It's pretty short. I have just basically had my head down, getting things going with speaking of products and yay, it's done. Next up, let's get into the topic on the business of products.
And the topic this week is why products instead of services in your business. In this topic, I look at some characteristics of focusing on products in your business and see how that compares to growing a business based on services. It's essentially a brief look at the pros and cons of products versus services. First up, let's have a look at services themselves. Recall in the last episode of Speaking of Products, when we asked what is a product-based business, we described services. Remember that? A service is an activity that is done by the seller. Sometimes services are described as being done for you or done with you or provided for you. And in most cases, there is inherently some degree of custom or bespoke work involved in a service. Examples of services include haircutting, gardening, architecture, interior design, fashion consultation, financial planning, mortgage and insurance broking, custom software development, management consulting, marketing, etc. What are some of the benefits of services like that? Many of the benefits and underlying reasons for starting and running a business based on services are due to services being quicker and relatively cheaper to get up and running. Services can also be quite lucrative immediately when a business is just starting out. Some of the pros for services include, they have relatively low setup costs and low financial divestment requirements. What that means is, you can get up and running really fast and it does not going to cost you the earth to get going. It's you and your skills. There's the ability to put your skills to use almost instantly. There is a high likelihood of finding a market with existing customers. It's safe to say that any service you could think of, most of them, someone out there is already doing it. And so therefore, the people are quite familiar with purchasing services. There is an opportunity to meet a wider variety of needs through customization. So you could actually find someone who sort of wants the services you're looking for and have a conversation with them and tailor your services to their needs. There is reduced likelihood of needing to deal with refunds and disputes. Often, a fairly decent initial return available, i.e. through your fees charged. But what are some of the issues of services? They can be tempting, and I know this firsthand since this is how I've generated most of my income over the years up until now. However, there are some definite issues with services that can't be ignored. These include, they are very labor intensive. It's basically time that you put in is what you'll get out in terms of return. They don't scale very well. You only have a certain number of hours in the day that you can work. And if you're running a business with other people, again, depending on the number of people you have in that business, that's the maximum amount of time that you have available to deliver those services. So there's a cap. Earnings potential is limited to the amount of hours available, which is definitely noticeable for smaller businesses. You get stuck trading time to clients for income, and that can limit your ability to grow and evolve the business. There are peaks and troughs in cash flow, especially due to non-billable hours, holidays, things like that. With services, you'll always be serving someone else and their needs. You can possibly be stretched in many directions when being responsive and supportive, and that that's okay. That's fine. I love doing that sort of thing. That's how I work. I love helping people and that's that's just me. But for some other folks, they might find that that just is draining. Sometimes it can be hard to separate the service delivered from the people delivering it. A lot of the times with services, it's all about who it is that runs the business or provides that service. That That's where the relationship is and that's where the value comes from. High prices in services occasionally lead to customers questioning the value they receive. 
That's not always the case, but you really find for big ticket items, that can happen. Well, okay, that's services. How do products compare? Once again, let's do a quick recap on products. When we say product, we're talking about something that people can buy from a business. Products can be used immediately by the buyer to generate value. And products can either be physical or virtual. Let's have a look at the physical products. Physical products are essentially tangible, i.e. something you can touch. For example, a car, a pizza, a bottle of perfume, an industrial sewing machine, etc. Then there are virtual products. Virtual products are intangible in that they don't exist in the usual physical form. For example, computer software, an education course, a hotel stay, insurance, a unit in an investment fund, etc. What are the benefits of products? We're getting into the main point of the topic now. That is, how do products compare in relation to services as a focus for your business? Well, with products, many of the benefits relate to their scalability and potential to focus in on a much tighter area. Some of these benefits include the ability to scale well. I mentioned that before. If you produce a product once and do it in a such a way that it can be repeated, you have the ability to scale and expand almost exponentially depending on your resources and capacity. The lower unit prices means that the market is potentially larger. Products have a relatively low marginal cost once developed. And what that means is once you go through the entire process of building, creating and get, releasing that first product, creating the next version of it or the next, next unit, it's a lot cheaper because the hard lifting and the hard work's already been done. You just need to reproduce it. There's possible lower overheads and variable labor costs. They have very high earnings potential over time. Just look at some of those big name companies that you know of globally. They're based on products. Products are more stable and predictable revenue stream once a market is established. They can be continuously improved to provide additional customer value. There is the ability to set your own vision and work towards it when you're building products. You're not really actually responding to other people's service needs. You're coming up with your own ideas and your own thoughts and you're taking it in that direction. With products, the people involved can go deep and specialise heavily in areas that interest them. A really good example of this is Etsy. Have you ever heard of Etsy? That's a platform where people sell products that they've produced initially coming out of their art and their hobbies and their interests. Suddenly, you've got this global multi-million dollar market out there for people working on and producing things that they just love. There is the potential to positively impact and help many more people with products. Again, that's that scalability thing kicking in. If you can get a product out to the world and start producing it at scale, you can make the lives of so many more people better. So this all sounds pretty good, right? Sounds quite utopian. So why isn't everyone focusing on products? Much of the issues with building a business based on products relate to the upfront cost in monetary and non-monetary terms. That means it's expensive. These issues include the high upfront time and effort for initial development. It can take months, if not years, to produce products. They have a very high opportunity cost if you are self-funded. Those months and years that you're putting in building that product are months and years that you're not doing other things with. If you're working and you're doing this out of hours like I am, you find that you're gonna have so little free time to put to other things in life. Products require relatively higher investment of time or money to get started. 
The market can be extremely uncertain early on, i.e. demand is unknown. And this is a big one. We'll be talking a lot about this over the coming episodes. Products can involve much higher support and customer service effort. Again, it's that scalability thing kicking in in reverse. The more your product is out there with many people, the more chances someone's going to need help with that. There's increased competition with products, and this can lead to commoditization and a race to the bottom in pricing. That's something you definitely don't want to get into. There are potentially more issues with returns and refunds. Again, if you've got a faulty product compared to services. With services, there'd be the odd chance that something might go wrong now and again, but with products, if it happens, it's going to happen to everyone who who has your product. For physical goods, storage and distribution can be a challenge. And last but not least, products possibly involve higher levels of technical complexity to build and run. So there you have it. There's some ideas to get you thinking about why you might want to focus on products instead of services in your business. In a related topic, I'll go beyond the ideas mentioned here and get into the more subjective feelings side of this question. I, you know, what are some of the personal questions you want to consider when deciding to focus on products? That's it for the topic on the business of products. Next up, let's get into the fun facts. Okay, it's product fun fact time. In this segment, I'll take a look back at a product from history. Could be a well-known product, could be a really successful product, could be some weird thing that no one's really ever heard about. What I do is I'll try and find some cool facts about it and just share them with you here on the show. It's really just a way of providing a bit of inspiration for people like you and me who are on our own product journeys. This week, it's one from the vaults, Tetris. It's that electronic puzzle game that you might be familiar with. I loved Tetris when I was young. I played it so much. I had it on a Game Boy. I used to bring it with me on the school bus and play it all the way there. My friends would always want to take it off me and have a go themselves. It was cool. Tetris is rad. All right, let's look at some of the facts about Tetris. It was manufactured in 1984, and its manufacturing company is called Electronorg Technica. I don't know if I've said that right. Sorry if I've offended anyone there. Um, Its lifespan so far, it's still in production. It's been around for 35 years. And here's the cool part. It sold over 500 million units. That's ridiculous. That's 6.5% of global population have bought Tetris. That's amazing. Okay, let's get into the fun facts themselves. Number one, the name Tetris means block tennis. The name Tetris, it's a combination of the Greek word tetra, which refers to the four-sided blocks that are falling in the game, and the word tennis. Put them together. Tetra, tennis, Tetris. Cool. Number two, it was born in a Russian research facility. The original creator of Tetris, Alexei Pajitnov, came up with the idea while working at the computing center of the Soviet Academy of Sciences. Number three, it was created to make a serious job fun. Alexei's job involved testing a new type of computer called the Electronica 60. To do so, he wrote a simple game based on a child's puzzle to help evaluate the processing capability of the new computer. In reality, Alexei was simply trying to make a serious but somewhat tedious job a bit more fun. Think about that in your own world. If there are things in your job that are quite tedious, perhaps there's a product out there waiting just to be built. Number four, it was too dangerous to sell initially. Alexei, 
joined with colleagues Dmitry Pavlovsky and Vadim Gerasimov to further develop the game and port it to different platforms. They also dreamed about selling the game, but this was somewhat unusual and difficult in the communist Soviet Union, where making and selling something privately was a dangerous affair. No, no. In 1980s Soviet Russia, the state owned all the rights. Number five, simple ingredients to success. The three key ingredients of Tetris were simple, challenging, and fun. And these were enough to hook anyone. There was a quote by Pachinov where he said, the program wasn't complicated. There was no scoring, no levels, but I started playing it and I couldn't stop. Number six, it spread like wildfire. Since it couldn't be sold on any commercial market, Tetris's founders simply started giving it away to friends and colleagues to enjoy. People started sharing Tetris through word of mouth and by copying it onto floppy disks. Remember those things? The rate at which this happened was amazing. Pachinov said it was like a wood fire. Everyone in the Soviet Union who had a PC had Tetris on it. Before long, Tetris had jumped borders and people were playing it in North America and Europe. Number seven, the state steps in. Given the obvious potential for sales and the early unlicensed nature of Tetris, business-minded folks around the world started scrambling to make a profit from it. Following an approach by one such businessman to license Tetris, Alexei went back to his superiors with the proposal. This resulted in the Soviet state organisation that oversaw software and hardware exports, Electronorg Technica, getting involved. Number eight, the killer licensing agreement. Despite the various businesses competing for rights to distribute Tetris, there was one clear winner. In 1998, Nintendo struck a deal that would change gaming history forever. Nintendo secured the rights for the game to be bundled with their new handheld console, the Game Boy. I had one of these. This decision led to the handheld platform becoming the most popular portable game system of its time. And in the process, it sold more than 35 million copies. Yep, I was one of those. Actually, maybe I had two or maybe three Game Boys, different variations over time. Yep, I got, I got hooked, that's for sure. Number nine, exponential growth. Following success with Nintendo, Tetris had cemented itself into the hearts and minds of people all over the world. Since then, the game has gone on to sell over 500 million copies across numerous platforms. Simply staggering an amazing result for a product with such simple foundations. Next up, here we get into the bonus weird facts. And I've got to give credit to Mindy Weisberger for this batch of weird, wonderful footnotes about Tetris. Number 10, it causes hallucinations. Have you ever heard of the Tetris effect? This happens when you play a game, staring at the screen for such a long period of time that images show up when you close your eyes. This effect is also known as gaming-induced pseudo-hallucinations, or game transfer phenomena. It has been analysed in a 2014 study published in the International Journal of Human-Computer Interaction. Fun fact number 11, that tune is actually a love song. The theme song to Tetris is an earworm. If you played the game enough over the years, I bet you can record the tune right now. Turns out, it's based on a 19th century Russian folk song called Korobyniki. It tells the story of a courtship between a peasant girl and a peddler. Fun fact number 12, playing Tetris makes your brain thick. 
according to a 2009 study published in the journal BMC Research Notes, playing Tetris thickens up the brain's cortex and can contribute to greater cognitive efficiency. Hmm, okay, so there was a benefit in me playing it after all. (laughs) Doubtful. 13. Tetris is a modern work of art. The Museum of Modern Art, MoMA, has included Tetris in their collection of video games they consider to be outstanding examples of interaction design. Tetris was selected for its visual quality, aesthetic experience, elegance of code, and design of the player's behavior. And last but not least, we are up to fun fact number 14. It was the first game in space. Cosmonaut Alexander A. Serbarov took his Nintendo Game Boy along with a Tetris cartridge for the ride on a Soyuz TM-17 to the Mir space station in 1993. Serbarov entertained himself with Tetris in between spacewalks and experiments during his 196-day mission. I wonder if he actually took it out into space itself. That'd be interesting. And that's it for the show today. Let's get into some key takeaways. Today, we looked at products versus services and why you might want to focus on products in your business. We looked at the fact that services are quicker and easier for a business to get started with. However, services have a number of limitations, mainly around the lack of scalability, which leads to upper limits on the impact you can have with the world the number of people you can serve, and caps on the overall earnings potential. Products, on the other hand, have a much greater opportunity to scale, can provide value to many more people, and have a larger earnings potential. Of course, focusing on products in your business is not without its issues, the main ones being high upfront costs and effort to develop a product, opportunity costs during the development and early growth period, and high uncertainty of success in the early days. Well, That about wraps it up for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about anything mentioned today, head on over to the show notes at speakingofproducts.com. If you have a question, feedback, or suggestions for a topic, I'd love to hear from you. And I also welcome short snippets about your own product journey, which we can go through on the show. You can get in touch via the website, speakingofproducts.com, or via Twitter at speakofproducts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or by searching on podcast directories such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you enjoy the show, it would mean a lot to me and other potential listeners if you could please take a moment to provide a rating on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Ratings and reviews help others find out about the show. Speaking of products is a creation of Miller Productions. I'm Dan Miller, and you're a fantastic product maker. All the best with whatever you're working on. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. And remember to keep speaking of products.